One of the biggest ways that people waste money on college is by not graduating in four years. So I strongly encourage students to build a relationship with your academic advisor. And you have that whether you're, whether you're at community college or a four-year college. You know, make sure that you are completing courses where the where the credits will all transfer. It, it should be part of your part of your consideration about what four-year college you're going to transfer to as well. This is Your Career GPS, the podcast designed to help teens, young adults, students, new grads, and emerging professionals navigate their career journey. I'm Brad Minton. Welcome back to Your Career GPS. I want to thank you again for taking the time to tune in to this podcast. I can't uh, begin to express my appreciation enough for our returning listeners who uh, tune in week in and week out and uh, provide really, really great feedback about our content. If you're a new listener, I really want you to take the time right now, stop what you're doing, hit subscribe or follow wherever you're listening to podcasts and make sure that you're tuning in every week as new episodes drop. And uh, also check us out on Instagram if you haven't already. And we are now on TikTok at Your Career GPS Podcast, where we're uploading uh, little clips of each episode uh, so you can get uh, current updates that way as well. Today's episode, I'm really, really excited about. It is money, quite literally. <laughs> this particular topic today is one that I've been anxiously awaiting for, and it's a common concern for so many young people that I work with and throughout uh, the course of my career, uh, the barrier of paying for an education. How do you fund your dreams? And uh, I have an amazing guest to be able to speak on this uh, topic today that I'm really, really excited for. Anne Garcia is with me today. She is also known as the College Financial Lady. She's helped thousands of families save millions of dollars on college a fee-only certified financial planner and managing partner of independent progressive advisors and specializes in helping families balance the desires to support their children's dreams with the reality of funding their own lives. Her book, How to Pay for College, is available from bookstores everywhere, so definitely pick that up. Anne's been featured in the New York Times, U.S. News, World Report, CNN Money, and countless other media uh, she and her husband, Bob, live in Portland, Oregon, and their twins will graduate debt-free from college this year. What a great tagline. <laughs> so, Anne, welcome. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. I'm so excited to dive into this uh, topic because this is, this really, really is such a barrier, such a concern for so many people. Uh, we do have... <clears throat> um, Parents who listen to this podcast, obviously students as well. So I, I think everybody's going to find some relevant out of this topic. So right off the start, this is something that you've spent a lot of time learning about, researching, and now are educating others on. What do you feel like are maybe some of the biggest misconceptions right off the top that people need to know about funding and education? Yeah, that's a great question. I think one of the biggest misperceptions is around who gets college scholarships. Um, there's a sense among many that college scholarships are the exclusive province of athletes and um, students of high with high financial need. And in fact, there are scholarships for everyone if you're willing to, you know, do the legwork to find to find. Um, 
you know, to find the colleges that will offer scholarships to you. The vast majority of colleges are actively trying to recruit and enroll students. And one of their best tools for doing that is by discounting tuition in, in the form of scholarships. Um, so you can get scholarships for all kinds of things. I have twins. My daughter has a national merit scholarship at her college. My son has a scholarship for playing video games, um, <laughs> among other scholarships. <laughs> I love that. I love that. And uh, that is absolutely one of the things that I, I wanted to talk about today. You know, on the line of scholarships, I think one of the things that uh, tends to really be a sticking point for so many students, particularly first gen, I, I do work with a lot of first generation college students and they understand the purpose of a scholarship. They understand it is it is a uh, a gift. It's money. It's free, and um, and they can use it. They just don't know where to find it. So, from from that standpoint, what are maybe some of those tips uh, that you could provide in terms of how to access those and where to find them and where to go about uh, that whole process? Great question. So. So first and foremost, the, the world of scholarships breaks down in, in two big areas. One is institutional scholarships, and those are scholarships that come from the college itself. Mm. And the other is outside scholarships, and those are scholarships that come from anyone other than the college. Now, institutional scholarships are, in most cases, by far the most generous. Um, and so what you need to do is look for colleges that offer scholarships to students like you. Institutional scholarships come in two flavors. One is scholarships on the basis of financial need, and the other is scholarships on the basis of merit. Um, so if you are a student with high financial need, um, you want to apply to colleges that meet 100% of financial need. And there's a list. You can just Google colleges that meet 100% of financial need, and you'll see a list of them. Um, and those are schools that will take your ability to pay for college as calculated by the FAFSA or the CSS profile and give you scholarships to make up the difference between that number and the cost of attendance at, at the college. Um, colleges have a great tool for figuring this out. All colleges are required to have what's called a net price calculator on their mm -hmm. website. And with the net price calculator, you can go in and punch in your family's financial data and sometimes academic information. And it'll give you an estimate of what students like you are paying to attend that college in the current year. So great thing to do mm -hmm. before you apply to a college because there's no point in applying to colleges that um, that you're not going to be able to, to pay to go to. So that's need-based financial aid. The good news is the only thing you need to do to apply for it is apply to the college and submit the FAFSA and the CSS profile if the CSS profile is required. Super easy. The other pool of scholarships is merit scholarships. Um, now, not all colleges offer merit scholarships. You know, the Ivy Leagues don't don't offer merit scholarships. You know, being eligible for merit scholarships is kind of table stakes to have your application um, looked at. But once you get below that, you know, once you get below that very top level, lots of colleges are very, very generous with merit scholarships. Typically, if a college offers merit scholarships, those scholarships go to students who are in, you know, the top quartile or quintile um, academically, so 75 to 80%, <laughs> 75th to 80th percentile and, um, and above. And the reason for that is that 
Um, U.S. News and World Report ranks colleges. You may have heard this. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and and one of the ranking, one of the metrics in their ranking is the quality of the student body, and that is assessed on GPA and and test scores. And so, if you are a student whose academic credentials land you in the upper echelon of a college's student body, they want you to come there. And they're probably and mm-hmm. if they offer merit scholarships, they will likely offer um, offer you one. Sometimes when you do a net price calculator, you will see, you know, they'll ask for GPA test scores, things like that, and they'll um, provide information. Um, you know, information about scholarships that you would get on the basis of merit as well. Um, and many colleges, particularly public colleges, have matrices on their website showing, you know, this GPA plus this test score automatically gets you this scholarship. I think it's a common misperception that merit scholarships only come from private universities, but in fact, they come from public, um, public colleges as, as well. Those are the easy ones. So a lot of those are, are awarded just automatically on the basis of, of you applying. So you will get access to most scholarships by submitting your college application and your FAFSA and CSS profile. However, most colleges have additional scholarships. And so I always encourage um, students to go to the college's scholarship website and look for other scholarships that they might be eligible for. There are lots and lots of different scholarships. Some of these require applications. Um, Mm -hmm. Some of them just require you to check a box showing that you're eligible. So for example, you might, um, your, your, the school might offer a scholarship for students whose parents are teachers or police officers or firefighters. And then you just need to submit documentation that that's what your, what your parents do. Or, um, you know, sometimes smaller private colleges love to be able to say that they have students from all 50 states. And if you're from a smaller state, it's possible that you are the only one from your state who's applying there and they would really like for for you to come. So all of the, the you know the challenge with all of this is it takes a lot of legwork to mm-hmm. um, to find all these scholarships. And then you know there are there are random scholarships once you're on campus. You know certain departments might offer scholarships. We have a friend whose son is studying meteorology and everywhere he applied to the meteorology department had a scholarship. But mm-hmm. You know, the business department does, too, at a lot of um, at a lot of places. It's just a matter of doing the legwork and finding all those dollars that are out there. And then, like I said, my son has a scholarship for playing video games. (laughs) So so there are lots and lots of ways to get scholarships. He's on a um, he's on an esports team at his college and his college decided to give them to give them scholarships. Um, So that's institutional scholarships, you know, and you find them at at the college themselves by um, by doing the net price calculator. And then mm-hmm. um, if you can't find their scholarship page, just Google the college name and incoming freshman scholarships. Mm-hmm. So this is an important point. If you are going from high school to college, no matter how many college credits you got in high school, whether through AB, AP, IB, dual uh-huh. credit at community college, apply as a freshman because there are mm-hmm. lots more scholarships for freshmen than for transfer students at almost every college. Mm-hmm. So those are the institutional scholarships, and those are really where the big dollars are. That other pool of scholarships is what's called outside scholarships, and those come from lots and lots of different organizations. You know, Rotary mm-hmm. has scholarships. A lot of employers have scholarships for their employees' children. Um, mm-hmm. Start at your high school guidance counselor's office because they will have a list of scholarships that are available locally. So when you look at FastWeb, 
they've got millions of scholarships, but they've also got millions of students applying for scholarships. Mm -hmm. When you go to your high school guidance counselor's office, there are going to be scholarships that are just available for students at your high school. Our high school had had scholarships for just about every sports team. I mean, the tennis team has a scholarship and there's like 12 kids on the tennis team and they're not all seniors every year. Mm-hmm. Um, so start by looking close to home. And um, so your high school guidance counselor is a great place um, to look. Ask teachers about scholarships that they're aware of. Um, my daughter's computer science teacher in high school um, recommended that she apply for a scholarship, which she ended up getting. And it's been, you know, it's $5,000 a year plus $1,000 for technology. And um, and she was also given a career mentor who um, who helped her land an internship that turned into a full-time job offer when mm. she um, when she graduates. So lots and lots of good outside scholarships, but really the big dollars come from the institutional scholarships. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so many brilliant points in there. I, I loved, um, particularly the point about local and about starting within that inner circle, be it your high school guidance counselor or looking at your local institutions, because that's certainly one of the things that I've kind of picked up on as well, that like even community colleges have their own scholarship hubs where, you know, they'll offer, you know, a bunch, you know, maybe hundreds of different scholarships through one application. Um, And, you know, those are those are things that in many instances from what I've what I've seen, that are designed or, or I guess marketed for a little bit more for residents, for, you know, mm-hmm. individuals who live in the area. <laughs> yeah. And you're also in those instances, you're more likely to be evaluated on, you know, evaluated holistically as yeah. an, as a scholarship applicant. Whereas if you're one of 10,000 applicants for a scholarship, you know, it's pretty much the numbers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Such a good point. Um, you brought up another really, really important thing, which was FAFSA. Um, uh, and, and I like how in, in your description of, you know, really thinking about scholarships and thinking about these additional ways to, to fund your education, you're kind of putting the application and FAFSA as like hand in hand. They, they just go together um, and making that more automatic, which is absolutely like what it should be. Um, so could you kind of, I guess, for maybe our individuals who just don't understand the degree of importance that FAFSA really plays, why that's so necessary and, and really, you know, why every student should be completing that application. Yeah. Yeah. And I think a lot of people don't really understand how the how the FAFSA works, but the FAFSA is the free application for federal student aid. And that means that all federal financial aid dollars are allocated based on the FAFSA. So that includes Pell Grants, that includes student loans, and that includes work study. So if you want to be considered for any of those, including you know, student loans, Parent PLUS loans, you have to file the FAFSA. Um, all of that aid is dis- is dispersed through the college itself. Um, so so you don't get you don't get your money from the Department of Education, but you do file the FAFSA with the Department of Education and with the individual colleges in order to get your to get your financial aid package. Now, most colleges that meet financial need will use a combination of institutional and federal dollars to do that. So institutional is their scholarship and grant funds. Federal dollars are things like work study, um, Pell Grant, subsidized um, student loan, 
or unsubsidized um, student loan. So all of those pieces come in together in, um, you know, in, in considerations and in, in how colleges build out their, their financial aid packages. I always think whether or not you are eligible or think you are eligible for financial aid, you should still file the FAFSA anyway. A lot of times merit scholarships require you to have filed it to be considered because there oftentimes a merit scholarship has a need component, even though it's true, mm-hmm. uh, even though it is a, a merit scholarship. Mm-hmm. And then I also think even if you intend to fully pay for your child's education, having access to the direct student loan is not only a good financial tool, but it's a good parenting tool. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, college often costs more than you think it's going to cost once you add in you know, transportation and, you know, activities and, you know, being in the Greek system or whatever, you know, whatever those things are, study abroad. I don't know, the, you know, the, the things that you might, that, that your child might want to do or that you might want to mm-hmm. do. Um, just having access to that extra pool of money can be very helpful. And then, you know, for me as a parent, I always told my kids that they were welcome to pursue whatever they wanted in college mm-hmm. as long as they also had a major that might lead to a job when they graduated. <laughs> and while I might have yeah. told them that that was a requirement of my funding their college, um, it was never my intention that I was going to pull the rug out from under them. Um, but I, you know, but I would have made them take out a student loan if, uh, if they hadn't. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, and I think those are really, really important conversations to have because it, it is about the return on the investment. And I think that should be, you know, every part of those discussions around that that type of thing, uh, which actually is a really, really good lead in um, to my next question. Um, when I was going through your book, something really caught my eye and, and my attention. And, and I like the way that you positioned it, which is having conversations about why college rather than what college, Um, because I think it's really, really easy for young people as they're starting to kind of think, especially like, you know, seniors, I'm, I'm working, you know, and, and getting introduced to seniors in my, in my work. And there's a lot of like, Oh, I need to apply for this school and this school and this school and this school. And, you know, maybe some are in state, some are out of state, maybe they're HBCUs and, you know, they're, they're looking at all of these different options with all of these different price tags. And one thing that, that you made a point of, which I thought was so good was about, you know, really getting grounded on, on why college in the first place, rather than getting stuck on, you know, where you're going to go, um, and, and trying to count for all those variables. Yeah, I think it's really, you know, it's really important to, um, it's really important with, um, you know, with any big expense to to think about why why you're doing it. And you know, I always think, as a financial planner, you know, I get people coming in who um, are very clear about what their expectations are for retirement based on how much they've saved, but think, well, you know, why not apply for these eighty thousand dollar a year colleges? And I was like, well, we're not for your retirement. We're not talking. You know, we're not pricing out villas in Italy. So why are we doing? the equivalent of that for college. You know, if you, mm-hmm. when you go to buy a new car, you have a budget and some specs, and then you choose from within those. The great thing about college is 
So college has tons and tons of benefits, both economic and non-economic. You know, on the economic side, you know, college graduates will earn an average of a million dollars more over their lifetime than those without degrees. The unemployment rate for college graduates is typically about half what it is for, um, for those without college degrees. And college graduates live healthier and happier lives. There's less... Um, less type 2 diabetes, less heart disease among college graduates. College graduates have higher life expectancies. Um, college graduates are more likely to marry and less likely to divorce than people um, than people without degrees. And of course, there are economic components to all of those. Um, yeah. But nonetheless, your right to want your kids to get a college education, um, the good news is those benefits accrue to college graduates, not graduates of specific colleges. So um, so there are loads and loads of pathways to success that do not require an Ivy League degree or even a private college degree. And in fact, there was a great survey done a few years ago called the Purdue Gallup Index, and they surveyed adults who considered themselves successful. So it wasn't like, okay, your income has to be at least this much, or your job title has to be this. It was people who viewed themselves as, as successful, which is probably a more meaningful metric. Mm-hmm. And they were trying to tie it back to what about college made them successful. And what they found um, was that it was nothing to do with what college they went to. It was nothing to do with what type of college they went to, with college location or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But it was about six experiences that they had in college. And those were things like... Um, having a mentor at the college, having the opportunity to apply classroom learning to a job while they were in school, feeling like professors cared about them, um, Mm. participating in activities, Mm. um, working on a project that took a semester or longer to complete. And I forget what the sixth one is, but um, (laughs) by way of saying that's all available at lots and lots of, of colleges. And so, you know, our job as parents is to guide our students to good decisions around which college they will go to that will maximize their their future potential, you know, because being a young person is all about keeping doors open. Mm-hmm. And one of the ways that you close a lot of doors is by um, accumulating too much student student loan debt while, while you're a student. Um, one of the ways that you open doors is by getting a college degree. Mm-hmm. You know, I think about, as you were talking, I just think about myself as a senior and I think about getting really, really sucked into to those types of things. You know, what did it look like? And um, I guess, how would other people perceive it? And getting really sucked into the vanity uh, of of those types of choices. And, and at, really, at the end of the day, you brought up so many important facts. And over the course of 10 years working in, in higher education, you know, I've had a really, really neat opportunity to get to uh, learn about uh, some of the you know, community colleges and universities across Michigan where I live. And I've come to find that they're not that different <laughs> you know, in, terms of, <laughs> in terms of their their offerings. And yes, yeah, some have really amazing programs and some good sports teams and some, you know, like the University of Michigan, which I know you know a little bit about. Oh, Blue. Um, yes. Yeah. Go Blue. <laughs> you know, has has um, an, an amazing reputation for certain things. Um, but you're right. What you can find there, you could find at uh, some of these other schools that maybe don't have, you know, the same degree of notoriety. So, yeah. I mean, just really, really great points I think you're making here. 
one of the things that uh, I also did want to uh, just kind of ask you about, which is a little bit more broad, but I think it's just um, just maybe just an important point to touch on was, you know, we talked about uh, the FAFSA. We talked about the importance of that. Uh, really um, going, starting with your inner circle, looking at, you know, uh, things like uh, local and institutional scholarships and and really digging into those types of things. Um, Just in general for, you know, maybe high school students or individuals who are maybe at community colleges and think about transferring to to university, what are some, just some good um, general best practices in terms of, um, you know, keeping costs down uh, that maybe they're not aware of, or maybe People just don't take advantage of enough. Yeah, great question. Well, one of the biggest ways that um, one of the biggest ways that people waste money on college is by not graduating in four years. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so, so I strongly encourage students to build a relationship with your academic advisor, and you have that whether you're, whether you're at community college or a four year college. Um, if you're at a community college, you know, make sure that you are completing courses where the, where the credits will all transfer, um, Mm -hmm. to, to the four-year college that you intend to go to. And that's Mm -hmm. something, you know, it it should be part of your, part of your consideration about what four-year college you're going to transfer to as well, because some are better than others about awarding you credit, um, Mm -hmm. for that. Um, I think there are, there are ways to, you know, nibble around the edges, like waiting to buy your books until you've had your first day of class, <laughs> because there's lots of stuff on the syllabus that you don't actually have to have to buy. Um, I think too, it's important to look, you know, when you're considering colleges, look not just at the um, at the net price, but look at what um, you know what is required to renew your scholarship every year. You know, if you're a family that has um, variable income, let's say you have a lot of commission income or um, it happens to be that someone was out of work for a while in the income year of your FAFSA, um, you'll want to make sure that your scholarship package isn't going to vary a lot from um, from year to year. Mm-hmm. There are also, you know, once you get on campus, there are loads and loads of opportunities um, on campus to um, to to come up with additional money, you know, you could be a residence assistant or, you know, an RA. Oftentimes that gets you um, free board and at least a discounted, um, discounted meal plan. There are serious job responsibilities that go along with that, um, that vary a lot from campus to campus, but that's a great way to, um, to cut the cost of college. You know, my kids both found that there were, you know, jobs on campus that they could get that had extra benefits. So at my son's college, if you worked in the dining commons, you got a discount on your meals. Mm-hmm. Um, at my daughter's college, I feel like they have so many, so many high paying jobs that students can basically just sign up for, you know, as a junior or a senior, you can be a grader in lower division classes and, um, and, and you get a, a nice stipend for the, um, for the quarter. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also, you know, one of the best ways to, to keep your costs down is when you get your acceptance package and your financial aid award, really review what's included in the cost of attendance. So I'll give you an example. My son applied to two colleges, um, and when he got the acceptances for, um, for both, it looked like one cost about $7,000 a year more than the other. And we're like, well, that's an easy decision to make. And, mm-hmm. and he was very, very excited about the 
more expensive um, college. And so we said to him, you know, you go figure this out. But, you know, one was here, we're in Oregon, one was here in Oregon, and one was in Arizona. And we're like, we're not paying, you know, $28,000 for you to have nicer weather. So he went and, and you know, to his credit, you know, took that project on and took it very seriously. And he um, learned a couple of things. You know, one was that one college had quoted their most expensive dorm and their most expensive meal plan, where the other had quoted their least expensive dorm and their least expensive meal plan mm. in their award letters. And so... Yeah. And so, so, you know, immediately the price gap narrowed to about $2,000 at, you know, at, yeah. at that point, we also learned that the college that seemed more expensive guaranteed your tuition for four years. Mm. So okay. there are no tuition so increases yeah. for four years, gotcha. um, which meant that although it might be a little bit more expensive as freshman year, the first year. by junior and senior year, it was likely to be a whole lot um, it was likely to be cheaper just based on tuition inflation at, mm-hmm. at the other um, at the other school. We also found at the other school, cost of, it's in an area where cost of living is lower, and so apartment rents were a lot were a lot lower than they than they would have been at the um, at the school in Oregon. So all in all, what seemed like a much more expensive um, choice ended up being the same price, if not cheaper. Hmm. Really, really excellent points. And what you said there about scrutinizing that award letter and really going through maybe line by line and actually kind of looking and taking it apart when you've got this cost and, you know, this this comparison between um, two schools prospectively. I literally I had an example of that just a a couple of weeks ago, a great young man that I was working with had applied to uh, um had applied to a school and immediately thought, oh my gosh, this is great. They're giving me $15,000 in scholarships. He didn't know. Uh, actually, you know, he, he just liked the, the school and the program. Didn't even know that this was a private school. He just, I didn't, just didn't look into it that far mm-hmm. and didn't look into the cost of tuition. He got really intrigued by that first letter that said, Hey, we're going to give you 15 grand. And, you know, the cost of tuition there was like 26. And so, you know, I'm like, you got 11 grand. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then his eyes got really big. And then, you know, he kind of realized, you know, the name of the game. So but um, that's such a great point. Such a great point. I think everybody needs to do. Um, You know, you've provided so many really great things that people need to be doing as as part of this thought process and consideration and finding these like really, really good, you know, opportunities either through um, either through the application process, the FAFSA, um, or just really, really being thoughtful and intentional about your um, uh, how you're scrutinizing these decisions. But um, any uh, as we start writing down this episode, any uh, good resources, um, that you find yourself in your position utilizing, you know, uh, really consistently that, that you might suggest, uh, that people could tap into, uh, students, parents, whoever. Yeah. Well, so two really easy resources. One is my website, Mm howtopayforcollege.com. And the other is my book, how to pay for college. Um, (laughs) um, you know, which has for all of the topics, involved in paying for college, not just a description of them, but also worksheets where you can, you know, go through and and really develop your own plan. I think the federal, um, the um, 
the Federal Department of Education website is also really helpful. That's studentaid.gov. That's where you file the FAFSA. It's where you get information about interest rates on student loans. It's um, it's where you can do the um, student aid estimator, which is the very poorly named um, <laughs> s- successor to the FAFSA forecaster, <laughs> right. um, which will tell you what your student aid index slash expected family contribution um, or give you an estimate of, uh, you know, of what that would be. And that's the minimum amount you should expect to pay for college on the basis of need. So, so studentaid.gov is a really helpful, um, really helpful website. To that point, when you go to file the FAFSA, make sure that you are on studentaid.gov when you do it. Because if you just mm-hmm. Google FAFSA, you will come up with a whole bunch of websites with paid, <laughs> um, that are paid services. And the first F in FAFSA is free. So you should not be paying to file it. So go to studentaid.gov.gov um, for that. You know, another great, um, another great resource that, um, that I, I haven't talked much about is um, resources for free college. Um, so, you know, your, your high school guidance counselor's office is where you find out about any free community college um, options that are in your state, your state-based mm-hmm. grant aid that you may be eligible for. You know, unfortunately for students, it all exists in old world format. You know, the scholarships um, are in a binder usually, um, Mm -hmm. and they probably have handouts about um, about state grant programs. But that would be another, um, you know, another another great resource for um, for students and families. And oftentimes they'll have information about um, local scholarships, you know, free community college, um, state state and local grant aid. Mm-hmm. as well as local employers that will pay for college. Boy, so many, so many great tips in there. And um, especially the last point that you made there, which I encourage everybody to actually look into as well, because we do talk about FAFSA a lot. We talk about these these federal dollars that we can tap into, but there's a lot of state, um, you know, particularly for uh, individuals who are more in need. Um, just here in Michigan, we have uh, the tuition incentive plan tip, which is for uh, Medicaid recipients. Um, and then starting in 2023, we've got this um, great thing called the Michigan Achievement Scholarship, which is going to increase that that load of state uh, aid that's available for almost uh, for what they're predicting about 80 to 85 percent uh, of students can qualify for, you know, as, as, uh, as much as $5,000. So um, all of those things can be really, really great to tap into. As we kind of like start wrapping up this this episode, we ask one quintessential uh, question to all of our guests. You know, if you had like your best piece of uh, career advice for young people uh, that are just kind of venturing into their own, um, maybe uh, advice that you would similarly give to your kids who are graduating soon, uh, what would that be? Great question. So I'm, and I may have alluded to this already, but I, I think that the most important thing for young people is keep doors open. Mm. Um, and, and that means, you know, go to college, graduate from college, minimize student debt, but it also means, you know, show up, um, be present, engage in your, you know, engage in your environment, build good relationships, say please and thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when you meet someone, connect with them on LinkedIn. Um, you know, do all, do all of those things that, that keep doors open. You never know when that person may come back and, and be highly valuable, um, to you in your life. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, this was um, just a phenomenal episode. I, I definitely learned a lot and I hope our, our listeners uh, did as well. Um, for those who would like to get connected to you, we did talk about your book, um, obviously that uh, they can pick up everywhere, but uh, what are some other ways that people can reach out and get connected to your content? So my website is howtopayforcollege.com. That's the easiest place to um, to find me and, and loads of content. Um, I'm also... I have a Facebook group, the College Financial Lady, where I do live, um, you know, Facebook live events um, on a monthly basis too. So if you want to come in for a Q and A, that's a great place to, um, that's a great place to, to find me as well. Perfect, perfect. Well, Anne, thank you so much for being here. This was absolutely phenomenal, and I know there's um, so many takeaways. And um, really, really recommend the book. Um, as she pointed out, lots of not just great information, but also worksheets and things that you can actually take these uh, elements that she discussed today apart and really use and apply. So this is your career GPS and your journey awaits. <laughs>